0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord, everybody. Would you put your hands together and just clap to Jesus right now? He's worthy of praise. Amen? Amen. know God is good all the time. I wish you'd turn to someone and shake their hand and say that God is good all the time. Amen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. Are you glad to be in church on a Thursday night? Come on. Are you glad to be in church on a Thursday night? Amen. Praise God. I think we ought to give this This youth praise team, a great big hand of appreciation. Wow. Amen. Now, if I may use some Arkansas vernacular, y'all got it going on here in Oconomowoc. Amen. But thank you to our young people and our musicians. A great time of worship. I feel the presence of God here tonight. I feel like Jesus has come to be with us tonight. Now, I need your help. I want you to turn to someone and say, Brother Gaddy needs your help right now. I need your help. I would like to get as many of us as can. Listen very closely, as many of us as can in these middle two sections right here. So may I just infringe on your comfortability right now if you're on the outer perimeter. All of our young people, everyone in the outer parts, would you just come over in these middle areas, right? I know how that is. We all have our seat we like, but uh, we're all going to come together tonight, amen, amen. Praise God. I am so glad to be in church tonight. And I'm glad to be saved tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to just, you may be seated for just a moment or two. Uh, I'm going to let you in on something. I love being around good people. In fact, if I may say it like this, I believe life is too short to hang around losers. Anybody feel a witness in the spirit on that right there? I like hanging around good people. I like people that are good up here, but are good in their heart as well. And uh, I I sense that here in this church. I sense sense that there's a church full of good folks. And I appreciate your welcome to me. Uh, We we pride ourselves in the South for something called Southern Hospitality. But I think there's something called Wisconsin Hospitality too. Amen. And thank you for all of your welcome and your kind words that you expressed to me last night. It is a real treat to be here. And then I got to spend some time with brother and sister Cordell last night. How blessed y'all are to have them here at Abundant Life. Amen. We just about shut Applebee's down last night, but it's because we were enjoying each other's company and having good fellowship. And uh, it is a real, real treat to be here. And then uh, Brother Flick, it's good to see you. My friend from years ago in southern Illinois. So I have some familiar people, their familiar faces rather, that I've, I've seen back in this part of the country. Uh, this is about 18 years this year that celebrates since Sergeant Alfredo Guerrero was stationed at the U.S. military base in Daharan, Saudi Arabia. I understand that that probably predates most of the teenagers that are here right now. But in June of 1996, Sergeant Guerrero was at the top of a very large compound that housed hundreds of U.S. military men and women. He was a security guard, and he was given the job to look out for the safety of every man and woman that wore the uniform of the United States Army. And so one night in June, he saw a very large truck pull up outside of the gate, and it did not have the normal markings of the army on it. And he became alarmed, as you can imagine. And so, very quickly, in a matter of just a few moments, he began to run up and down the hallways of that compound just on a hunch, yelling things like, Get out! get out now, get down below, we gotta get out of here. Men and women began to spill out of the the dorm dormitory style style housing they were in and they were asking him as they were running out, what's wrong? He said, I just have a hunch something's not right. And hundreds of military men and women began to pour out of that, that base. Within a matter of about three minutes later, our worst dreams became reality when that box truck which had been laden with a whole lot of explosives, was detonated remotely, and it literally blew the side of that compound to smithereens. Uh, There were 19 men and women in our our military that lost their lives that night in Saudi Arabia, but hundreds more escaped unscathed. And uh, press conferences were held, and the prince, who was the leading man in Saudi Arabia, was asked, for his comments, and here's what he said. His name was Prince Saud. Prince Saud said, I thank God for the man that was on the roof, because if it was not for the man on the roof, then the death toll would have been much greater. When I read that story years ago, I was reminded of what the prophet Ezekiel said in chapter 33 of his book, when he said, if there is one among you who is a watchman who is set on a wall, And if he sees trouble, danger, the enemy coming, and he lifts up his voice and he warns the people and blows the trumpet. He says, if the danger comes and those who have been warned do not take heed, then the blood is on their own head. He said, but if the watchman sees the danger coming, understands the times and does not warn, and danger comes, Then the blood of the affected people is on the watchman. Such strong imagery in Ezekiel about watchmen and men and women of God and how they literally watch for our souls. Now I want to go on record as something I would say if our pastor was not sitting here right now, but I thank God for pastors. And I thank God for my pastor. I've been a pastor now for 15 years, but I still have a pastor Nobody ever outgrows the need for a man and a woman of God in their life. And so this church, I know you feel like this, but this church is abundantly blessed, if I may borrow one of your own words, abundantly blessed with the ministry not only of Pastor Kylie, but Sister Kylie as well. They're in this together. We're blessed to have their leadership, amen? Thank God for them. Thank God for them. Thank God for our assistant pastor, Brother Kylie, Brother Cordell. I know there are other ministers uh, that are in this congregation. So thank you for your involvement in the kingdom of God. I want you to turn to someone and just look at them and say, man, you really look good tonight. Would you tell them that right now? Amen. Now, did they laugh when they told you that? I hope not. (laughs) Amen. I want to say before I go to the word of the Lord tonight how much I appreciate our young people of this church. I appreciate the teenagers, I appreciate the young adults, and uh, I have long felt, and this was long before I had the privilege to preach to young people a lot, but I have long felt that ministry to young people is one of the most important things that could ever take place in a local church. Let me tell you why I believe that so strong. And most of my ministry now centers on adults. It's not young people most of the time anymore. But here's why I still believe that's true. Because most of us adults, and if you consider yourself an adult, would you wave your hand at me right now? Most of the time you consider yourself an adult. Most of us, think about this with me, church. Most of us, our values are formed. Our lot in life is pretty clear. Our career path is chosen. Most of what happens in our life is fairly static doesn't mean it has to be vanilla but it's fairly set but the young people that are in this room right now they are still having their values shaped and they're still having their priorities set and they are going to be taking the mantle of leadership in this local church that's why what is put inside of the next generation is very important because we are literally investing in the future of the church when we invest in the next generation. Amen. I thank God they're not just kitties that need to be babysat. They're the future of this church. All right, now let me challenge. Now, you didn't expect me to come from Arkansas and not get up in our business, did you? Let me just challenge our thinking for just a little bit. 30 years from now, who's going to be leading this church? Oh, Brother Kylie's going to be pastoring. Really? And I love this man. I don't think he wants to be pastoring when he's in his 60s. (laughs) Now, he understands where I'm coming from. It's really important what goes into the next generation because that's the future of the church. Amen? Amen. Now, I want you to take your Bible, and we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to go to the book of Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7 and you can hold it in your lap there and if you don't have a Bible just look around and if you have one look around find someone maybe that doesn't have a Bible and you can share your Bible with them. We're going to do something just a little bit different tonight and we're going to engage this wonderful thing called our imagination. Amen. Now we had to use this a lot when I was a teenager because we didn't have game systems like we do now, and we didn't have videos, and we didn't have PowerPoint and all that. Uh, We had flannel graphs. How many of you remember flannel graphs? Yeah, we had to engage, and some of you have no idea what a flannel graph is right now. It wasn't 3D. I don't even think it was D. I think it was just C or something like that. We had to engage our imagination, but We're going to do that a little bit tonight, and you can keep Proverbs 7 open there, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and I give you my word, I'm not going to do anything goofy, but I want to read this passage in your hearing tonight from a little different version, and I want you to engage your imagination and just imagine what this would look like. As it plays out in our hearing. Everybody clear on what, I'm gonna, what we're gonna do right now? All right, would you close your eyes, please, and listen very closely as I read the word of the Lord? While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was at twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. The woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She is often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him. And kissed him and with a brazen look she said, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you and here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Let's drink our fill of love until the morning, for my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. He's taken a wallet full of money with him, and he won't return until later this month. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going, To the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing that it would cost him his life. You may open your eyes right now, and I would like you to pray that God will speak to our hearts because I feel like that God tonight is going to save somebody in this room. Now, I say that, and I want you to go with me tonight with that noble pursuit that God is literally gonna save somebody from heartache and save somebody from despair through the word of God. Would you pray with me right now? God, we need to hear from the Holy Ghost tonight. We need to hear what the spirit of God is gonna say to the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you will use the words that I preach, Lord, these words that you've placed in my heart Lord, to be words of life, but, Lord, more than what a man can say. Would you let the Spirit write on every heart, every young heart and every older heart here tonight, Lord? I pray you'll just drive every distraction out of the way, Lord, and do something that only you can do in the next few moments, Lord, and I will give you all of the praise and all of the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone in the house, would you shout amen? Everybody in the house, would you shout amen? Amen. Amen. I am here tonight to tell you that beyond the shadow of a doubt, I know the will of God for every person here in this room. Now, lest you think I'm getting ready to rip off in gifts of the Spirit and tell you where you live and where your next job's going to be, I'm not going to do that tonight, at least I don't think I'm going to do that tonight, but it is absolutely vital that we know what the will of God is for our life. And I will also tell you it is crucial that we not only know His will, but we do His will. It's not enough to have a simple mental assent about what God says or what God wants for our life. We must do the will of God. So according to the word of God in 1 John chapter 2, the Bible says that the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. In other words, there is lasting power in somebody that knows his will and does his will. How many of you here tonight want to not only know what God's will is for your life, but you want to do God's will? You want to follow his leading and his direction in your life, so... Here's the will of God. I know it for everybody here tonight. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I'm here to tell you, I know what the will of God is for all of us and that is to be a thankful people. Is there anybody here tonight, you're glad God picked you up? You're thankful that he picked you up out of sin? Anybody thankful that God gave you enough strength to be here tonight? Enough health to be here tonight. Enough strength to make it to the house of God. Guess what? We ought to give him thanks for that. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. It's the will of God to be thankful Thanksgiving is not relegated to the fourth Thursday in the month of November. Thanksgiving ought to be a holiday we engage in every single day. How many of you have at least one family member here in church with you tonight? Would you raise up your hand? Guess what? You ought to be thankful for that. How many of you, at least one of your family members, whether they go to church or not, has been with you to church in the last two years? Would you raise up your hand right now? Guess what? You ought to be thankful for that. I'm here thankful that you get to show up on a Sunday morning and hear the taught word of God, the preached word of God, your students get ministered to, the elders have some time to share with each other. We ought to be a thankful people because that's the will of God. Now, I want you just to, everybody just kind of move your, move a little bit. I want you to kind of just move till you touch somebody right now and I want you to look at them and say, you ought to be thankful tonight. Come on, get up in somebody's business right now and say, you ought to be thankful tonight. I'm thankful tonight. God has been good to me. Oh, preacher, you don't understand all the mess that's going on. Let me ask you a question. Do you have life? Do you have breath? Do you have strength? Guess what? I'm thankful for that. I may not have every prayer answered yet, but I'm blessed. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving is the will of God. Turn to someone and say, that's a will of God for you. Now, by the way, I didn't say that. The Word says that. This is the will of God. Let me give you another example of the will of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That is the will of God for us. Now, sanctification, Woo! that's one of those big words. You get a lot of points in Scrabble for that word right there. The word sanctification literally means set apart. And the will of God for our lives is that we would be set apart for a holy purpose. Now, lest we think sanctification is simply God's desire to make us different from the world. Yes, he desires to make us different, but he calls us out of the world to bring us to his purpose. He's not some big cosmic bully that just wants to point out how different we are. He calls us to his purpose. He separates us from the world for his purpose. That is the will of God for our lives. That's good preaching right there. Paul said, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So let me just come right down where the rubber meets the pavement tonight. It is the will of God for every teenager to be pure, I thought I'd get a little more amen than that. That's God's will. It's the will of God for every person in here to be chaste. Some of the guys right now are going, you better believe it is. No, 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 I'm not talking about C-H-A-S-E-D. Where you have girls just chasing you around the church. The Bible word is chase, C-H-A-S-T-E. It means untouched or unspoiled. That's the will of God. Now, since we're talking brass tacks, I'll also say this for every teenager here. It's the will of God for you to be a virgin when you go to the wedding altar. Yes. Glory to God. That's the will of God. Yes. Now, I know the risk that I take in saying that especially in a congregation, a larger congregation like this, there are some young people, there's some young adults in here right now that you say, well, Brother Gaddy, that disqualifies me. I'm not. I'm not a virgin. I've already been sexually active. I'm here to tell you that God wants us to be pure right now from this night. We can make commitments right now that will affect the rest of our lives we've already found in the word of God it's God's will that we be sanctified we be separated we be separated unto God now I want you to see something here from Proverbs 7 I promise you I'm not going to preach from the encyclopedia tonight I'm not preaching from Wikipedia tonight I'm preaching from the Bible tonight when the proverb writer wrote in Proverbs chapter 7 he said I looked out of my window you can find this right in your Bible I looked out of my window the King James version says my lattice And I saw a young man who was void of understanding. See, the pathway to immorality is always paved with a lack of understanding. Short-sightedness. Seeing things temporal right here in front of me without understanding the lasting effects that immorality can have on my life. Here's what the proverb writer said. He just simply was a young man who was void, lacked understanding. He didn't understand that surfing to that website would open up things in his mind that although it did not condemn him in the moment... It brought down resistance later on in his life and caused him to sin further before the Lord. He didn't realize, he didn't understand the long-lasting effects that that would have upon his life. This young man did not understand that talking to that young lady in such a suggestive way would conjure up feelings in her That although not acted on in the moment, would then show up months and years later. Seeds that would be planted. I'm preaching about the need for understanding in this generation. We have to wake up, brothers and sisters. We have to understand that the devil plays for keeps. He's not playing around when he tries to tempt us to fall in our commitment to purity, but oh, that there would be a church. Oh, that there would be a group of people that would square our shoulders back and say, whether I'm 13 or I'm 83, I'm going to be right before my Savior. I'm gonna live by the word of God. I'm gonna let his word be my guide and my direction. I don't want to fail in the area of understanding because that's the pathway. Proper understanding is the pathway to purity. Just touch somebody right now and say, you got to get this tonight. T- tell someone that right now. you got to get this tonight. Here, here's, what, here's what the proverb writer says. How will a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to your word. Not just hearing your word. Not just letting it come in our brains, but taking heed to that, walking that out. Okay, every teenager in the house, look at Brother Gaddy, it doesn't matter what Hollywood says, it doesn't matter what Hollywood does, it doesn't matter what reality shows say, it doesn't matter what culture says, that is not our barometer for morality. It doesn't matter what the newspaper says, what the internet says, what a magazine says, what an app says, that is not our guide and our baseline for morality. Oh, the there would be a teenager and a young adult that would grab a hold of the word of God and say I'm going to live by this book I wish I had some parents that would help me preach right now I'm going to live by this book I'm going to teach this word my expectation in my home is going to be based on the word not on what a pop star does Not on what a singer espouses. It really doesn't matter what they do. I'm not living for them anyhow. Tell Miley Cyrus to go home. This is my guidebook. Void of understanding. That was his problem. He didn't have understanding. Now, Look in your Bible, and I want you to see this. Just This is going to get good here. You ready? Here we go. Look at verse number 8, Proverbs 7 and 8. Passing along, the young man void of understanding, passing along the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. I'm preaching about overcoming immorality. Winning the war for our purity. Here's the first principle we need to understand from Proverbs chapter number 7. If we don't want to fail the morality test, we can't go near immorality. You know what this guy's problem was? He got too close to her house. Here's what it says. You just read this with me. I didn't mind making this stuff up. Passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. No wonder he fell. I'm going to share with you the shortest book in the world. It has five chapters. I've memorized it, and here it is. Um, Chapter number 1, a man walked down the street and fell in a hole. Chapter number 2, the man walked down the street, saw the hole, stepped over the hole, and fell in backwards. Chapter number 3, the man walked down the street, saw the hole, stepped to the right of the hole, and fell in to the left. Chapter number 4, the man walked down the street, saw the hole, stepped to the left of the hole, and fell in. Chapter 5, final chapter. The man took another road. Hello? Hello? If I don't want to fall in the hole, Doc, GPS it another way. Choose another path. Oh, Oh, Brother Gaddy, you don't understand how spiritual I am. I have a word for you. We call it, it's a big Hebrew word in Arkansas called hogwash. (laughs) Baloney. Here's what I know. Everybody listen to Brother Gaddy. Here's what I know. None of us are spiritual enough to fight hell by ourselves. We've got to have God's help. Let me tell you why I can't walk down the path with the hole in the path is because I'm not strong enough. And until we get over this idea that, whoo, I just prayed through on Sunday night. I spoke in tongues for 30 minutes on Sunday night. I know we got filled with the Holy Ghost, but we're still flesh. And so we have to build in boundaries so we don't walk down the street with the hole in it. Now, here's what Paul said. He said a statement to Timothy in 1 Timothy that really is kind of cool. It's a short little statement. Here's what he said. You can find this in your Bible. Flee youthful lusts. How many of you have read that verse before? Flee youthful lusts. Landon, can you help me out with this? Stand up just a second. You're looking sharp today. I like that tie. Just stand right over here if you would. This is Landon Flick. And... uh he is a good young man, good-looking young man. But for all intents and purposes, right now, he is youthful lust. You ready? Now, just don't imagine that too much. But <laughs> now, Landon, in just a second, I'm going to have you come toward me, and I'm going to show this great, intelligent congregation what Paul did not mean when he said, "Flee youthful lust." So he's youthful lust. I'm Tim. And I want to be pure. So now, don't ever get right to me, but just walk toward me. So I see youthful lust coming, and I identify that. And I start walking away gingerly. You know, I, I really shouldn't mess with you, but yeah, you are kind of good. No, I better not. You know, my pastor says I ought not. But you know, you are kind of good. Look, no, I better not. It, it, it wouldn't be right. But yeah, come on, come on. I don't know, maybe one time. No, I better not. I, 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 well, I mean, you look kind of hard. No, 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 no. My, my son school teacher tells me I shouldn't do that. And so, you know, and my parents told me that one. That is not, everyone say not. That is not what Paul was saying when he told Timothy to flee youth. Let's go, go ahead and do that again. We're going to rerun this again. Now this time, I just want you to walk toward me. Just give it a good, good, Pace and walk toward me. So here's the thing, hang on. Here's the thing. Paul says, flee youthful lust. Everybody say, flee youthful lust. Flee youthful. Now, here is what Paul really meant when he said, flee youthful lust. Come on, you see youthful lust coming and you identify. Ah! Hey, bud, quit trying to be so macho about it. Quit trying to rationalize it away. Oh, it won't hurt me. No, it'll kill you. That's what it'll do. So we can't play around with that. We can't go near that corner. We can't go near that house. Get out of there. Is somebody hearing what I'm preaching tonight? Young people, let's wake up and realize we can't play around with sin. We can't play around with immorality. We can't get used to being around it. It'll kill us. Don't go down that street. Don't go near her corner. Thank you. You can be seated. Landon, I'll call you landed. I won't call you youthful less anymore. <laughs> All right? Now watch this. Look at your Bible. Verse number 9, Proverbs 7. It was in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. So, Pastor, I'm reading this, and I had an explosion in my brain, which is a rather small explosion, but it's an explosion nonetheless. If we have to hide something, it's usually wrong. The light bulb just went on for somebody. If we have to hide it in the dark of night, if we have to hide it when my parents aren't home, if we have to hide it when nobody as an adult is around, if we have to make sure that there's no spiritual authority in our life, if we have to go get off in a corner somewhere, in a dark car somewhere, in a house somewhere by ourselves when nobody's watching, if we have to hide something, We better stop long enough to realize that behavior is probably wrong. Now, let me prove this to us. Let's say for just a moment, bro, tell me your first name again. Thomas. I met you outside, right, Thomas? You got a nice red shirt on. Let's say for just a moment that we're in church and I see Thomas, and I'm sitting here by Sister Laura. Laura. And I want to give Thomas a compliment. You know how I'm going to do this? Let me tell you how I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go, hey, Sister Laura, I don't know if you've seen Thomas's shirt. That's really bright. I don't think I'd wear a shirt like that. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Okay, have you ever noticed most of the stuff we whisper is not positive? I don't, I don't sit in church and go, Sister Laura, that is an awesome shirt that Thomas is wearing. Wow, that is so cool. Because you know what? If it's positive, I'll get right up in his business and tell him that. That is the bomb, bro. You light up my life, man. If I have to hide something, it's usually wrong. Where was his approach to this immoral woman's house? It was in the twilight, in the darkness, in the black and dark night. See, there's light bulbs going off right now. Boom, boom, boom. I want you just to reach over and, and t- tap someone on the shoulder and say, are you getting this right now? Come on, t- touch two or three people right now and say, are you getting this right now? Are you getting this right now? Verse number 18, here's what she says. Verse 18, come, let's take our fill of love until the morning. Every person in this house, please hear this preacher. There always, when dealing with immorality, there always is a morning coming. Mark it down, it will happen. I know it may feel good in a moment and according to Hebrews chapter 11 the pleasures of sin are just for a season but there is always a morning coming there is always a morning coming when we're going to have to pay for what we've done and so I would say rise up in your spirit and say I'm not going near that house I'm not going near that corner why because I want to be pure when the morning comes i want to be right when the morning comes there's going to be an end to this someday that immoral woman said it right we're going to take our fill of love but just until the morning there is always a morning coming and i for one when i served as a youth pastor and now as a pastor I don't want to have any more conversations with teenagers that have ruined their credibility because they looked at things just in the here and the now young people. Please listen to this preacher. We got to live for more than just Thursday. We got to live for our kids and for our marriage and our home 20 years from now. We have to realize that sin has a price tag. Is there a road back from sin? Yes! Is there mercy at the cross? Yes, but you don't have to ruin your credibility. You don't have to become a statistic. You can be pure. You can be holy. You can be right. You can stand before God with clean hands and a pure heart. Hallelujah. Can we thank God for his word right now? Come on, Mom. Come on, Dad. Help us pray right now. I thank you for your word. God, let it be seated into our spirit. Let it be seated into our spirit, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, please listen. I'm going to be closing. The plane's coming in. Landing gear just came down. plane's going to come in for a landing soon. So just hang on. I want you to see something in your Bible. Proverbs 7 and verse 21. Here's what happened. The Bible says, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she forced him or seduced him. To every teenager in this house, please listen to Brother Gaddy. We gotta be very careful what we talk about. We got to be very careful what we say to members of the opposite sex. Everybody listen real close. Thank you for your attention tonight. I know that some of you will say yay and amen to this, but men and women are different. If you don't believe this, just get married. This will prove it. Men and women are different. Now listen very close. Men and women are excited differently. Men and women are stimulated differently. Men and women respond differently And it has everything to do with how God made us. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you a generalization. There are exceptions to this. But I'm going to give you a generalization. The reason why I know this so emphatically is because I've been married to one of you ladies for over 20 years now. So I think I know of what I speak right now. Primarily, and again, there are exceptions to this. But primarily, men are stimulated visually. We are. And by the way, ladies, before you think we're a bunch of ogres, that's how God made us. By the way, just for what it's worth, I know this is a lot of the church family here tonight. I believe this is one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but the Bible gives very clear direction on how a woman ought to appear Not because he's some bully in heaven that wants to make our lives miserable, but he understands how the opposite sex is enticed. So he wants to build in boundaries to keep us from sinning in an area where we are enticed. Just a thought. Women primarily, and I've talked to my wife about this, so I'm on safe ground tonight. Women primarily, there are exceptions. I will just make that one disclaimer. Primarily, women are enticed emotionally. The feel of things. My wife likes a good feel in our house. And and forgive this old-fashioned word, but if the vibe is good, she's good. If the, if the environment's good, she can relax. If it's bad, she can't relax. That's how God made women. You know what's funny? I've never heard of a girl driving a car down the road and coming toward her is a guy jogging. He's in a pair of shorts, tank top. He's jogging toward her. He's been jogging for about three miles, so he's full of perspiration. He's jogging toward her. I've never heard of a woman wrecking her car when dude jogs by. But on the other side of that coin, man's driving down the road. It's early on a Saturday morning and she comes jogging down the street. Sweat glistening off of her. laugh at that That wasn't so true but we are created differently gentlemen when we say to a girl you know what I can see a real future here hey guys listen to brother Gaddy. let me help you out tonight don't ever say that unless you intend for there to be a really real idea that there's going to be a future let me tell you why. Because a woman is, is, is enticed emotionally. She can take that. Let me tell you what my wife did. When I first gave my wife, I hadn't asked her to marry me. I, not the first time that I asked her to marry me. I just gave her, Pastor, an indication that there may be something coming down the road. She you know what she did. She told me this. She went back to her dorm room, and she whipped out a pad of paper. Her name is Stacy Hogan is her maiden name, and she whipped out a pad of paper and she sat at her desk in her dorm room and she started writing. Stacy Hogan. Stacy Gaddy. Stacy Gaddy. Now, if she had told me that, I'd look at her and say, what? <laughs> but it speaks to how God made us. And so we have to be very careful how we talk to one another because we can cause each other to respond in such a way that is based on who, how God made us, but take us way down a road that maybe we're not intending to go down. She caused, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield, and she seduced him. Now, I will close with this. In fact, if the gal that played the keyboard could just come up and play something. Thank you, sister. You can just play something soft in the background. Here's here's, here's the way Proverbs 7 ends, and this is very sobering to me. The Bible says that when this young man went the way near her house he was enticed by her flattering words. It was in the dark. It was in the twilight. It was at the the time that things would be hidden. And he went after her. The Bible says in your Bible he went after her immediately. You know what that tells me? There was no accountability set up in his life. He felt something, he responded, and he did not check with anybody. Saying something like, check me on this. Am I thinking the right way? Young people, can I just tell you something tonight? Maybe this is just the heart of a pastor that's speaking tonight. And I'm not pretending to be the pastor at all of this church. But this is the heart of a pastor. When you want to seek counsel from spiritual authority to every teenager in this room, and let me just broaden it to every saint of God. When you're coming to seek counsel, seek counsel before you make a decision. Don't make a decision. And by the way, pastor has no idea I'm talking about this. This is a pastor's heart right now don't make a decision and then come and just inform spiritual authority because all we can do then is thank you for informing us but when we come but to spiritual authority and we say help me with this hold me accountable with this check me on the way that I'm thinking then a threefold cord you your spouse pastor sister pastor can come together around that decision and begin to bombard heaven and pray together. That's accountability that lasts. See, his problem was he he got his resistance down to the place where he just immediately went after her, straightway went after her. He didn't realize it was like an ox going to the slaughter or a bird caught in a trap. Proverbs 7 says, it closes with these words. He did not realize that it was his soul and it would cost him his life. Now here's why I would take a Thursday night and I felt very strongly to preach this message tonight. Here's why I would take a Thursday night and preach this tonight. Because my fear is not that someone's going to fail morally. And it literally. Is going to cost you your life. Because there are people. Countless people around this country. That have failed morally. And they still live physically. But life is so much more. Than living physically. It's bringing glory. To the kingdom of God. It's being a vessel that God is honored by. It's being a person who has a marriage in the future that is a union together that God can say, you know what, I'm going to showcase this union as the way it ought to be for all of the world to see. How many hear God speaking tonight? How many of you hear the word of the Lord tonight? I want you to stand with me, and I'm going to ask you just to stay in the sanctuary, please, if at all possible. Not be moving in and out right now, because I feel the the hand of the Lord here right now. I feel God wanting to save somebody tonight. Do you, you feel that? You feel like God's reaching for somebody tonight? See, salvation is more than just, and thank God for the new birth. That's certainly the most important salvation. But salvation is also God saving us from poor decisions and from things that could rob us of our future in God. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to ask, first of all, that every parent here tonight would go to prayer with me right now for your family. I'm gonna ask every mama and every daddy to lift up your voice right now and say, God, these sweet kids that you've given to me, these sweet grandchildren that you've placed in my family, I want them to be pure every day of their life. I need some daddies to lift up your voice right now. I need some mamas to lift up your voice. Come on, that's it. I I, I want you, Lord. I want you to protect my family. I want you to protect my family. I want you to protect my kids. God, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, Lord, that you would allow there to be a hedge raised up around my family. Lord, we don't wanna fail. Hey, can I tell you something? If you failed, there's, there's a way back. There's mercy tonight. There's grace tonight, but you do not have to become a statistic. Teenage young ladies, you do not have to become a statistic. You can be a lady a, of virtue and a lady of honor. Young men, you can be warriors for Jesus Christ. You can be mighty weapons in the hand of God tonight but it's going to take a concerted decision that says I'm going to be pure, Lord. I'm going to be sanctified. I'm going to be set apart for the master's use in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. I want to ask right now with everybody with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'm asking every teenager, every young adult, every single person here, who right now, under the sound of my voice, says, Brother Gaddy, I want to be right with God. I'm a young man, I'm a young lady, but I want to be right with God. I'm going to ask you not to hesitate one moment, but I want you to come quickly from wherever you are. Listen, hey, everybody in the house, keep your eyes closed. I'm talking to you, young man. Don't think this message is for somebody else. God's got his eye on you tonight. He sent this preacher for you tonight. And if you're here and you're hungry to be right with God, I wish you'd come very quickly. Would you step out from where you are? Every teenager, every young adult, you want to be pure. You want to be right. You want to live holy. I want you to come quickly. Step out from where you are. Come on, sis. Come on, son. I want to be right. I want you to come and stand along the front, right over here, guys. Come on. Come on. This makes this a bold decision. We got to fight immorality with a boldness. That's it. Come on, son. Now, parents and grandparents, I want you to lift your eyes up. If you see your family up here, I want you quickly to step out from where you are and I want you to come in behind them right now. I want you to come from all over the sanctuary. Let's not hesitate. Let's come. Come on. If if your grandchild's up here, if your child is up here right now, if you're a Sunday school teacher, you work with children, you work with teenagers, and you see someone up here that's God's quickening your heart, I want you to come quickly. There's some young adults that are here right now. There's some people used to be married. You're not married right now, but God's speaking to you, and he's calling for you tonight. It's going to take some concerted effort. It's going to take some prayer tonight. I want you to step out right now. In just a moment, we're all going to come. In just a moment, we're all going to come. But come on quickly. Come on quickly. I need some prayer warriors to help me pray tonight because the enemy wants to fight against what's happening in this altar right now. I need some prayer warriors to lift up your voice and help me pray right now. We're going to win a war here before we leave this altar. Everybody in the house, would you join us around the front right now? Every person breathing air, would you come and join us around the front right now? Let's come as though it's our family that's standing up here right now. I want you to find somebody. Come on, ministers, teachers. Staff, would you come and begin to lay your hands on this generation? I want us to pray right now. Come on, I want us to lift up our voice. We're committing our lives to you, Lord. We're committing our ways to you, Lord Jesus. We're going to win this war. Ha <laughs> Come on, parents, that's it. Pray a breakthrough prayer.